Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Samantha Ruth. Samantha is a psychologist, speaker, podcast host of the Be Ruthless show and best-selling author. She helps people around the world turn their pain into power by guiding them to be their true selves, not who they think they need to be, by embracing their differences and by living life on their own terms. Samantha's mission is to change the way the world views both grief and mental health so people can speak openly about whatever issues they have and get the help they not only need, but deserve without fear of judgment, labels and repercussions. Samantha is the proud founder of Grief Hub, a 24-7 community open to anyone who has experienced a loss. After personally living through this, Samantha realized just how much support she needed on a daily basis, and she vowed to create these services so that others would have more support available in their times of need. So I am super excited to welcome Samantha Ruth to the show. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm very excited, very excited, because this topic is one that I, it comes up a lot because, well, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Because it is, you've learned so much on your journey. You've been through so much. I think that would really help my listeners to hear that. And then we'll go on and I can ask you all the questions I want to ask. I uh, met my husband when I was 24, (laughs) um, just getting my master's in psychology. And we were together for a few years, but we were both young and career driven. So we went our separate ways and we reconnected in 2013 and immediately. I mean, within months we were engaged. And a few months later, I moved across the country to marry him and start our fairy tale happily ever after. And a few years later, completely unexpected he collapsed at work while making lunch from an undetected heart condition that he'd lived with his whole life. So I really do feel like I had lost him once. And so it was like losing him again after we were living my dreams. Uh, So to say I was lost doesn't even cover it. You were so young as well. How old were you both at that point? I was 44 and he was 46. So, okay. So, I mean, how do you come back from that? What were you going through and how did you manage to turn your life back around? I guess having trained in psychology, maybe, I don't know, would it be right to think you had some tools there to help you or were you, I mean, obviously it's very different when you're going through it yourself. Yeah. None of my experience and none of it mattered. I was completely lost and I really, truly had no idea what was next. I was surviving and figuring it out, which was very different from who I was. You know, I was the planner who could tell you everything that was happening and what time and what day. (laughs) So it was an entirely new path, unfamiliar to me and to people who knew me. I wasn't looking or acting like myself. And so the pressure got to me and I really was just in so much pain that I did not care about pleasing anyone else, about 
what anyone thought about what I should be doing. Uh, and I just truly started to listen to myself and figure it out without knowing where I would end up. I'm so sorry. It's such a journey you go through. And, you know, for my listeners, a lot of them are going through heartbreak and divorce and, you know, well documented that divorce is known as the second most traumatic life experience we go through after death of a loved one. So going through the loss cycle and the different stages, the denial, then the anger, then the bargaining phase then depression, and then finally moving on to acceptance. Did you follow that process pretty much or how did it play out for you? Mine was like one big blender of emotions. Yeah, they were all at once. There was no order. It was not a linear process. And I think it's very similar with divorce or it's the death of a relationship. And the one thing I find is that people going through divorce often have a harder time getting to the self-love because they're blaming themselves or thinking about what they did wrong in the relationship. And so there's a little bit of a different order to where we end up. But some people after the, a death go through that as well and question what they could have done differently. And you know, it's, I think it's really similar and both need to be encouraged to mourn the loss. We, we do not need to sweep it under the rug and pretend like we're fine. With a death, you actually get your friends and family together. You have the funeral. You say the things you want to say. Sometimes with divorce, well, definitely in my coaching clinic, I see more of the, well, not so much of the conscious uncoupling, more of the aggressively severing end of the market. And there's a lot of conflict and that drags on and on and on. So even if you're starting to heal, you know, the constant going backwards and forwards with the ex or the struggles with the kids can just reopen that. You know, it's like picking a scab. It's never healing because it's continuously being interfered with by maybe lawyers or new girlfriends, new partners coming in and that causing more heartbreak or more conflict. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so how did you pick yourself back up then? I mean, I can't imagine how terrible that was for you. How did you start to, you know, and how long does it take for you to, to start seeing that maybe you could carry on without your partner by your side? I was going through the motions. I was doing what I had to do and truly just getting through the day for a while. And it took our anniversary was about eight months later. And I wanted to go where we got married in the mountains. And my loved ones did not want me to go. They had good intentions. They didn't want me driving by myself in this state and wondering what happens when I see all of our places and our favorite things. Uh, but I truly, it was the first time since I lost him that I felt like this is what I have to do. I want to do it. I knew it. I was clear. And so I did it anyway. And that's a little bit out of my character. You know, when my whole world is telling me not to do something, I tended to trust their input. And so it was the most powerful week for me. And that in itself was empowering that like they weren't right. I was. And so I came home that I believe like that's when I started to heal. I made the decision to take a year for myself and to do some personal growth work with a mentor. I got another dog, you know, all things that people who love me thought were crazy. <laughs> I think that's very, very interesting because you know, well-meaning friends and family, you know, can say, well, I don't think that's right for you right now because they want to wrap you up in cotton wool and they love you and they want to take care of you. 
But, you know, it's interesting that you actually listen to your instinct because a lot of us don't, especially when we're in trauma or we've been through a tough time. Sometimes we lose touch with that. So for you to actually stand up and say no, I mean, I can totally understand why they said that, by the way. I mean, how did you feel when you were back there going to all the places? How did you react in the moment? And how did you, you were you lying awake in the hotel room or how did you self-soothe, I guess, to get yourself through that? I think that's what's different. We live in this world that puts on a happy face and acts fine. And I did not subscribe to that. I was not okay. I didn't pretend I was okay. I broke down crying anywhere and everywhere. And even if that made people uncomfortable, I knew I had to feel it and not resist it. And so I work with my clients and I, you know, you have to feel the feelings and I'm not saying it's fun or it's easy But if we resist it or numb it or avoid it, it shows up in other ways. And I guess that I guess I just knew that. And truly, my my honest answer is I was in so much pain. It was the only thing I could do. I was surviving. Sometimes when you face it head on and you dip your toe into the water of how bad can it be? Because a lot of the time we're running away from feeling it because we don't want to feel that intensity. But actually, once you've faced it and felt it, and you know then that you can go there and get back up again, then that takes away a little bit of the fear. I guess it's dialing down those negative emotions and starting to take your control back a bit over them. So that's very brave of you. I mean, incredibly brave of you to do that. How did you pull yourself back up then? Because, you know, one of the things with my clients when they're facing that fear, I think it's always important to have a way or a tool or a mechanism to be able to shift your focus so that you don't get stuck down there. So what were you doing to help yourself get out? I was doing any and everything that I had not tried before, things that hadn't worked before, meditating, listening to Audible. I I felt like I had lost my mind and I couldn't read uh, and process. I was just so deep in grief, but I would listen to books on tape and I was doing anything outdoors to be in nature. And just, I truly was selfish and I did what felt good. And that was my rule. Like I've been through enough. If it makes me feel worse, I'm not doing it. That's really good because it is self-care, but it's almost like there was no other option for you by the sounds of things. You'd sort of hit rock bottom and like, right, this is the only way forward. It's just to be totally, as you said, selfish, but it's it's interesting how we might go to that word, but actually it's self-care and, and actually that's what you need it. And looking after yourself isn't selfish because you can't possibly help anyone else if you don't look after yourself first, right? And I'm a psychologist, so I've always been looking after everyone else. And I, I love you, my clients. <laughs> I did not care about anybody else's problems. I didn't. I didn't care about the traffic, the weather, the breakup. I really couldn't cope with more than I was dealing with. So it was survival and it was necessary and it was unfamiliar. This was not how I functioned before. My planner, you know, was booked for a year and I could tell you when and where. So allowing myself to accept this new version of me and accept the unknown, I didn't know what was next. I didn't want to work with my clients. So it wasn't just how do I get through this? It was what do I do with the rest of my life? So, okay. So you went on that incredible trip and then you came back home and then then what happened going back to reality i guess is different from being out on the road and facing your all those emotions so how did you adjust coming back and what was the shift 
the biggest shift was that I made the decision. This was like eight months after I had lost Jim. So it was approaching a year, but I made the decision to take the next year, which was 2019 to work with Jack Canfield, who wrote all the chicken soup for the soul books. And again, no idea why that strong pull, just like going to the mountains for our anniversary. I wasn't doing it for my career. I wasn't doing it with an end goal. I just knew I was lost and I believed in him and trusted him. And again, people who loved me thought it was crazy not to go back to working and they were concerned about my future, but I met the people who are my family. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Okay, so you're back in the driving seat, you're back. Now, I know you talk a lot in your books and you've got chapters in quite a few different books now, which is amazing. You talk a little bit about mental health as well, because obviously going through this is obviously going to have a huge impact on your mental well-being. What did you learn from that? So if you could give my listeners any advice, what tips would you give? Well, I've lived with anxiety my entire life. But this took it to levels that I had never experienced. I mean, I was having panic attacks pulling over on the side of the road. I had had it under control, you know, with therapy and medication for years. And I was at a place that it was as debilitating as my grief. So what I learned is that the world treats people who are grieving and people who are living with a mental illness very similarly. No one knew how to act around me. I felt like I was glowing, like, oh, there she is, (laughs) you know, like there was something wrong with me and the way I was handling things. And it made me really, really passionate because my mission prior to this has been to change the way the world views mental health. But my mission became changing the way the world views grief and mental health. That's really interesting. And you're so right, because the fact, I mean, you interestingly said, what's wrong with me? Because people aren't coming over to me and you felt like you were glowing, you said. But I think for a lot of people, it's they don't want to upset you. They don't know what to say. Do they talk about it? Do they mention Jim's name? Do they not? Do they avoid it? You know, or is that going to be upsetting for you either way? So I know that a lot of my clients, that when they're going through their divorce, again, it's very similar. People just don't know what to say. So quite often they don't say anything. They don't pick up the phone. They don't contact them. And then my clients feel isolated and rejected when really that their friends and family or other people they know maybe at work just really don't know how to handle it. Do you think that might be more the case? Absolutely. In my world, people will say that to me and I will say anything. Reach out. 
We need to know that you're still here for us as we don't even recognize our new selves. And it feels like the rest of the world might be rejecting us. Just saying, thinking of you, I'm here. But the lack of contact because of fear of saying the wrong thing, it hurts more. So say, and if it's the wrong thing, we love you. You know, we get it. We know there's no magic answer. So I say, um, meet us where we are. The people who were the most helpful were the ones who would walk my dog with me or do something outside in nature and not expect me to go back to the football game surrounded by 100,000 people jumping up and down. Yeah, I suppose it's a little bit like my tool shoe shifting where you step into the other person's shoes and you see the world from their point of view and just think, you know, what would they need right now? What would they want? What would be helpful yeah, and you're probably right. A football game, probably not the best environment, but a nice walk out in nature because there is something very healing about nature as well, isn't there? There's something very comforting. It's what got me through it. And I'm originally from Michigan and I moved to Colorado to be with Jim. And my initial reaction in the hospital was get me home. I, like, I want my family, get me home. And then I had to think about leaving somewhere that I am doing something outdoors every single day. And I chose to stay. And I think that's what got me through it was nature. I know in my life, when I've gone through trauma and tough times, you know, just going for a walk by water, especially, or some old trees, those big old trees. I'm a tree hugger. My son's so embarrassed by me every time we go out. I'll give every tree a hug. <laughs> but I mean, I just find all nature just brings you alive and it gives you an energy that you just, it's tough to generate that yourself, even from going to the gym or something like that. Just being out in yeah. nature, it really tops up your energy levels. I mean, this is fascinating. I mean, I think, you know, bereavement is a, a really tough challenge to go through, obviously, and can knock you sideways, both mentally, physically as well. Did you find that you had any of those negative coping strategies? Because, I, I mean, obviously, it's very common to lean on either eating more or drinking more or partying more or shutting yourself away from the world. Yeah, I didn't care about those things. Cooking seemed like running a marathon. My mom would get so sad when she'd say, what are you eating? And I'd say Cheerios. <laughs> I functioned like an infant, like a, a baby can digest Cheerios. So I'll be able to digest Cheerios. Uh, nothing sounds good. Nothing tastes good. And I went from being really social to being more, more by myself in nature. And that looked different, but I, I didn't want to be social or I only wanted to be social with the people who really got where I was. I couldn't and wouldn't put on that face for anyone. I think that's great because a lot of the times we'll be doing things because we think we should do them. Like maybe society dictates that you should act in a certain way or maybe religious beliefs or people you surround yourself with or it just wouldn't feel right to do something. But if inside you really want to do it and you are suppressing some of those emotions, it can be very liberating to come out of a really tough time like you have or any of my listeners who are going through a divorce Again, it's the time to almost reinvent yourself a little bit because you go on a journey of discovery and you start learning things about yourself that you maybe never knew before or you just missed. So how did you reinvent yourself and did you become who are you now that you weren't before maybe? I am a better, the best version of me. I really found my voice. I've always had one, but I've always also cared about what my family or my colleagues, the people who I really trust and respect, I really have valued their opinions and nobody else's opinions mattered. It was my survival mechanism. And once I committed to that and made that decision, I made a million mistakes, but they were mine. 
And I really do think I found my voice. I am on a mission to help others. We are not taught to grieve. We're taught not to grieve. And I don't care what the loss is, how big or little, it's not a comparison. If you've experienced the loss, you should, you need to mourn that, whatever that looks like for you. And it's different for every single one of us. So if you, as much as you can shut out everything else going around and how she did it and he did it and they did it and do what feels right. And I mean, there are definitely bumps. I lost people along the way because I was no longer the same because I wasn't reaching out quickly enough in their standards, but new people come in that are better meant to be in my world. So interesting you say that because that's something that I see all the time that People are worried about losing friends, whether it's through bereavement or through a breakup. But actually, it can hurt. I mean, it does hurt sometimes when people you thought were always going to be there for you, maybe, like you said, didn't didn't step up enough for you, didn't reach out because they didn't know maybe, or maybe they just couldn't handle it themselves. Especially with divorces, I find that that's quite common. It shines a light on what's going on in your friends' relationships. So maybe they feel uncomfortable reaching out to you. Maybe they, they're not as happy as maybe you thought they might have been. And friendships, you know, fall by the way. And it can be t- so devastating on top of all the other trauma and grief you're going through, because that feels like an added rejection. You wonder what you've done. It impacts your self-confidence. So on top of all the trauma, you're getting all these other challenges coming your way. But you're so right. When people leave, it actually clears space for new people to come along into your life. And it's almost quite a healthy detox. What did you find that you detoxed out of your life at that stage? Were there things that you managed to let go of that weren't serving you? Absolutely. After that trip to the mountains, everything I started, I was extremely intentional about who I spent time with, what I did, what I listened to, anything I was putting into my life. And if it did not bring me up or feel good, I reevaluated and got rid of all toxics. And that did include people and some, I wish I had done it sooner. You know, I was holding on to things for obligation or because of, you know, we've been friends for this long. And when I truly just started to say, I only want to be around things that feel good, my life changed. And I believe anybody can make that change. I'm not saying there aren't losses. It is hard, but it is worth it. And the people that come in are so, so amazing. And I also want to add that it's not only what others did that led to losses of relationships. I did things. I was not showing up as the best friend. You know, I was grieving and I was first and I let people down and I know that, but the people who truly love and support me are still here. There wasn't a deadline. And if if Sam doesn't call me by this day, she's no longer, you know, in my life. So I think that's important to recognize that you're allowed to make mistakes. You are truly just surviving and healing something. And the people who really get you, the people you need around you get that. And more people will show up when you commit to it. Great advice because... You know, sometimes it is surprising and it might not be the people you expect that step up. Sometimes it's people that maybe have been on the periphery of your life and then suddenly step up for you and are there in ways that you never expected, anticipated. Did you Absolutely. find that? Um, um, I mean, there are people I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to pick them out of a lineup, but they were part of my husband's circle. And they knew I was in Colorado and my family was in Michigan and to this day still are a huge part of my life and my healing. And I never would have expected that. And that's a gift. 
you actually then really start to see true kindness. And I think kindness is very healing. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of kindness. I'm always talking to my son, like being kind is the most important thing because if you're kind to others, that gives such a gift, but also to you as well, because actually when you step up and do something kind and reach out to someone that maybe is in need, the reward to you, which may be unexpected, is so big too, because you form these incredible bonds with people. And that's so important that you say that because I guess that trip to the mountains and all of the things that followed were because I started to be kind to myself by listening to others and by living their expectation of my life. I wasn't being true to myself and I didn't know it and I wasn't walking around miserable, but I was able to see it so clearly. And now I'm unapologetic. I don't even owe you an explanation. I'm not coming. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Taking your power back when and truly. So how do you feel now when you think about Jim, when you think about everything you've been through? I mean, obviously there's no magic one to take away all the pain. So how do you feel now when you think about him? My pain isn't any less. You know, when I think about it, it can still feel like it was yesterday. Um, I write to him every day. I talk to him. I think I've learned to cope better. When people ask me if it gets easier, I say it gets different. And I don't want to discourage anyone in that because I am living an amazing life and I'm in a wonderful place. But that pain of him not being next to me for it is always there. What would your advice be to people listening who are thinking, well, how do you move on and maybe think about meeting somebody else or date again? I mean, that must be incredibly difficult. You know, how and when do you do that? When it's right for you. A friend of mine, the two of us would say, everybody else dates and remarries. I can't even entertain that thought. And now she's dating someone. (laughs) It just happened. I'm not there. I still wear my wedding ring. I cannot imagine being at that place. And that's my path. And you might be ready right away. You, There's no right or wrong. It's just working with what feels right for you in that moment and looking after yourself and being kind, isn't it? And ignoring everyone else. I get asked regularly why I still wear my ring. There's a world of critics out there. I went back to work too soon. I didn't go back to work soon enough. You know what feels right. And that's I would just say to try to shut everyone else up and listen to what feels right, you know, and we go through life ignoring that little voice and you'll know. Such good advice. Such good advice. Listen to your instinct. Listen to your little voice inside. So, Samantha, thank you so much. Tell me, where can people find out more about you and and what you do? My website is samantharuth.com and that has everything. So I don't have to give you a bunch of different handles for social media and my podcast is there and my story amazing okay that's fabulous and I have one final question for you that I ask all my guests but I have a inkling I know what the answer is going to be my podcast is called heartbreak to happiness because I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that when you are going through such tough times as you've been through that you can tap into that happiness from time to time to help you along that way so what is happiness for you, Samantha? Happiness, it, for me, it's love, friends, family, being true to myself, my dogs. I didn't believe it was possible. So for anybody who is in that deep place of pain and thinks you'll never laugh again, I get it. Just be patient and kind with yourself. I want to know what you thought my answer was going to be. Jim? 
Well, I thought it was going to be your family and friends and maybe walking out in nature too, because that's definitely something you've mentioned a few times. So yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And your pups, because I know you've mentioned those as well. So I love, I love big fan of dogs too. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all your advice. I know that you'll have touched the hearts of many people listening today and have helped them a lot too with your advice. So thank you, Samantha, for being a fabulous guest. Thank you so much for having me and discussing what we need to be talking about. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to samantharoof.com to find out more about Samantha and all her work. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.